Calling all detectives. A small boat drifts helplessly down a fog-bound river, directly in the path of a steamship. That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. A man like me, Jerry Browning, in my business, private detective, doesn't often get a chance to find out how he really stands with people. It was a dark, moonless, starless night. On such a night, an enterprising riverfront gang can board a freighter and in an hour loot $10,000 worth of merchandise. There's been a lot of that lately. That's why I was out on the river watching. I should have turned back when the fog started drifting in, but I kept delaying until it was too late. Nothing ever happens by itself. As I was easing my boat toward what I thought was the shore, the motor quit. There I was, caught in the tide, drifting downriver. It was about an hour later when I heard the ship's warning blast. A ship was bearing down at me. I shouted. I waved my arms around. And then as a huge shape loomed up out of the fog, I dived overboard. the last thing I remembered until I opened my eyes and found myself on a ship's bunk. Well, so you've decided to come out of it. What happened? You were luckier than you probably deserved. You came up for a second right alongside our boat and one of our men grabbed you. You'll be all right long before we arrive. Right? Arrive where? Mister, you're going for a ride to South America. This tub has no wireless, and it'll be six weeks before anybody knows that you're still alive. When my powerboat was run down, I was taken aboard a freighter bound for South America without a wireless. The freighter, the Jane Wymouth, was an old hulk carrying machine parts. I did little work, had a fine vacation, long overdue. In fact, as we were docking in Rio, Captain... How about signing me on? Let me work my way back home. All right, Browning. I guess I owe you that much for running you down. And uh, if you need some money to cable or phone your people back home... No, thanks. There isn't anybody who'd particularly worry about me, and my business will still be there when I return. almost four months after I'd been rescued that we docked once more in the shadow of familiar buildings. I was passing the Red Turtle Tavern on the waterfront. Thought I'd stop in for a glass of beer. I walked up to the bar. Beer! There was a man standing alongside of me. I recognized him. Mitch Fuller, one of those characters who always seem to have a little money even though they never work. Hello, Mitch. How's tricks? Mitch spun around. His eyes bulged, his mouth opened, but no sound came out. It's me, Mitch. Jerry Browning, back from the dead. J- Jerry, but... Hey, don't hurt me. I'll admit it. Sure, I was in that stick-up, but I didn't shoot the garage man. You're dead, you know that? I put out my hand, and in that moment, Mitch's feet took wings. He went right through the door, kept on going. Wow. It looked like there was work for me to do. At first, I had to get some money. 
I want to cash a check, but since I've been away quite a while, maybe you'd better first tell me what my bank balance is. Certainly, Mr. Browning. The teller came back about a minute later. You have a balance of $2,312.74, Mr. Browning. $2,300? Where'd I get it from? Really, Mr. Browning, I couldn't say, except that we never make mistakes. I cashed a check for $100, went out of there in a daze. There was a police car coming down the street. Lieutenant Dawson of Homicide was at the wheel. I called out, Hey, Dawson! Dawson swung around so fast he sideswiped a car parked at the curb. He jumps out and... Jerry, are you really alive? Sure I'm alive. I've been in South America. Mitch Fuller came tan into headquarters a while ago, claimed he saw your ghost, and you told him to surrender in that garage shooting. <laughs> when I heard your voice, I wondered what I'd done wrong. Probably plenty. Listen, Dawson, something funny's going on. When I left, I had about $400 in the bank, and now my balance is over $2,300. You, uh, don't say. <coughs> I, uh, just remember, Jerry, you got to see a man about a case. Bye. I watched, perplexed, as Dawson climbed back into his car and drove off. Then I shrugged, took a taxi to my office building. Yeah, I'm talking for Jerry Brown. You owe him $200 for some work he done for you two years ago. And if you don't pay up, a couple of the boys is coming around to see you. Okay, you got until Wednesday morning. My friend Louie, the ex-burglar, dunning clients who hadn't paid up. You'd be surprised how many of those there are. Louie pushed the phone away. About time you showed up, Jerry. Getting this place in shape is hating my restaurant business. Well, at least you didn't think I was dead, Louie. I figured you was late, laid up someplace, couldn't get in touch with your friends. I couldn't bear the accusing look in his eyes. I, uh, I see what you mean, Louie. But don't tell me you collected $2,300 for me besides paying my rent and other expenses here. Well, yeah, no. You see, Dawson and a couple of them other cops, they come around after duty, and if the cases come in, little stuff, they, well, they take care of it for you, and then I send the bill. Yeah. And I collect, too. Louie got up. Well, drop in on my joint for a fish burger sometime. Yeah, Louie. Sure. And thanks. I went over, sat down at my desk. And the way I felt was the way any big heel feels. A man who thinks he's poor because he hasn't got much money, when all the time he's got a million dollars worth of friendship. Like I said, it's almost worth getting killed. To find out what a fine place this world is in which to live. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives. Mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.